The Jones Group is a full-service government relations and strategic communications firm specializing in political, corporate, and nonprofit consulting at the local, state, and federal levels. Their commitment to every client is twofold, providing trusted service and producing desired results. Almost every company or organization is affected by legislative action in some way. Their mantra, your success is our business, keeps them focused on their promise to produce measurable results for every client, every time. What's black and always in the back of a police car? (laughs) (laughs) The seat. What were y'all thinking about? They're blue. They're blue. (laughs) Oh, okay. Chief Scott Thurman joined the Birmingham Police Department in 1998. His career began in the Patrol Bureau at the North Precinct, where he served the Titusville and Smithville communities from 1999 to 2005 as a patrolman and field training officer. In 2005, he was assigned to the Burglary Unit in the Investigative Bureau where he served the citizens of the East Precinct. Two years later, in 2007, Chief Thurman was promoted to the rank of sergeant and assigned to the West Precinct morning shift in the Patrol Bureau. I don't know why these words are so hard for me. (laughs) In 2008, Chief Chief Thurman was transferred to the homicide unit in the investigative bureau and worked there as a sergeant until 2013, where he was promoted to the rank of lieutenant. Upon being promoted to lieutenant, he was transferred to the South Precinct as the day shift patrol commander. Three years later, in 2015, Chief Thurman returned to the homicide unit as the commander of the unit in 2018 man you were promoting fast he became the interim commander of the newly formed robbery homicide division being promoted to the rank of captain a year later in 2019 chief thurman served as the west precinct commander in the patrol bureau in 2021 Chief Thurman was assigned as the executive assistant to the investigative bureau deputy chief. On on January 28, 2022, Chief Thurman was appointed as the acting chief of police for the Birmingham Police Department and was appointed as the chief of police, the 35th chief of police, on June 24th. 2002 by Mayor Randall L. Whitfin. Chief Thurman, tell us a joke. How do you make a Kleenex dance? You blow it. You put a little boogie in it. 
What do you call a female police officer who plays guitar? I don't know. She riffs. <laughs> <laughs> she riffs? Get it? Yeah, yeah. No. Boo. No, boo. boo. I get a boo on that boo. one. <laughs> now, a lot of people know you. Yes, sir. A whole lot of people don't. Correct. And I would love to get to know you. Like, what part of town did you grow up in? Where did you go to high school? You know, what were your parents like? Um, siblings? Like, tell us that non-professional bio. So uh, my family moved to Birmingham in 1976. My dad worked for the telephone company and got transferred here to Birmingham. So From where? From Illinois. We, oh. I was born right outside uh, a suburb in, of Chicago. Okay. So my family's from Illinois, mainly where they were from. I have family in Darien. Well, sh- south side of Chicago and Darien. Okay. Yeah. And so moved here to, was unincorporated Jefferson County at the time, mm-hmm. uh, kind of area caught up in Bluff Park, basically. And then, you know, years later, that became the city of Hoover when they annexed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so grew up there, graduated from Barry High School, uh, went on to the University of Montevallo. Graduated. Now, hold on, hold on. You're moving too fast. I want to <laughs> know what happened in high school. Were you in the band? Were you the athlete? Were you the quiet guy, ROTC, you know? So played football in high school. Okay. Um, that was kind of my thing. Yeah. What was that? What position did you play? Played defensive end. Played some, a little bit of center. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so you down there grunting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then. So I went to University of Montevallo. Uh, really didn't want to go. They wanted to go to Alabama, where all my friends were. And my parents said, well, "No, you know, you should go here first year. And if you want to transfer after that, then so be it." And I got there and just liked it and stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but knew knew when I graduated high school that I wanted to be in law enforcement. Um, you know, initially as, as many young people, you think, well, I want to be an FBI. And so that was kind of my goal. And so, mm. um, did an internship here in Birmingham with alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, ATF, and met a Birmingham police officer. There was a Birmingham police officer assigned to ATF at that point in time. And he took me around the Birmingham police department, and introduced me to a lot of, you know, the department and people and things. And so I quickly found out that most federal, a- federal agents were police officers first. So I realized, well, that's, I guess that's the stepping stone. I got to start, you know, there. And so, uh, you know, got hired by Birmingham Police Department, uh, went through the police academy and went to North Precinct. And then, of course, you got the history there on that. So um, met my wife in 1999. Uh, we got married in 2001. Uh, I've got two sons. We have not had a love story in a while. <laughs> you got to tell us the love story. You can, you can choose either how you met or how you proposed. Uh, well, we'll do the how we met. So really, okay. I had gone out with some friends one night. And um, and what's your wife's name? Misty. Misty, okay. And so met um, some other people that I knew from college, and she just happened to be with them, and we just started talking, and the rest is history. Really? Yeah. So just mutual, I had a mutual friend that introduced us. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. And then? So I got two sons. I got a 13-year-old son and a 19-year-old son. Okay. Do either one of are the either one of them interested in law enforcement? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you happy or sad? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not unhappy. You know, it's, yeah. it's um, you know when you uh, you know as an assistant I had years ago said so, you know your resume looks really awesome. I said well there's a cost with that resume, mm. and that cost is there's a lot of time that you spend away from home 
when you're doing all those really neat sounding things, when you work nine years in homicide, you're here more than your home a lot of times because you're trying to solve those cases for the, and get justice for those families. Um, so there's a lot of hours that you spend. I don't think a lot of people realize the time that many law enforcement officers put in just, just to do the job is. We always tell people when they retire, you know, thank you to the family for lending us your loved one because they've spent a lot of time, you know, just doing the job. Yeah, uh, There's a lot more goes into it than, than what people really think. And I, I don't think it's hard for someone from the outside to understand. If you haven't lived it with a family member or lived it yourself, it's really hard to understand, you know, when you try, I try to explain it to, you know, friends who are outside of law enforcement, it's, it's sometimes hard to understand, well, so why can't you come to that party Saturday night while I'm working? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Can you, you don't, leave early? Well, yeah, because <laughs> you, you don't, know, you know, you don't work a, a Monday through Friday at right. 5. You know, you may be working, like when I started, I worked 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And then you have, you know, your Tuesday and Wednesdays, your off days. You know, that's that's odd for the rest of the world that works Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 type situation. So, you know... If you really, you know, I loved it so much in the beginning, you know, I probably would have done it for free. I mean, you know, you, you it's a, uh, we call it FOMO, the fear of missing out. You didn't want to miss a day because something exciting was going to happen and you were going to miss out. You weren't going to be there for, for the, you know, the exciting thing that happened that day. So. Yeah. That's how we used to feel when I was selling cars. It's like the one day you're off, the guy comes in and pays $10,000 over sticker. When he buys three cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I asked um, Chandra before she left. I was because I'm gonna be honest. This is the first time I've ever been nervous in an interview. Uh, I was like, "What? What should I ask him? Give me a couple of and everything she said. I already had in in mind, so I'm good. Pop my collar. But she did um, ask, bring up one thing. What advice? And I'm bringing it up now because of what you just said, what advice would you give a young person like in high school that wants to go into law enforcement or something? Like, is there a a track they should be on? Is there some focus they should do? Like to those young guys who already know, I probably want to go into law enforcement. What would you say to them? So I got to give you a little bit of a sales pitch. So we actually hire at 19. Okay. So we can capture some of those graduating seniors or somebody who will be 19 shortly thereafter. Um, so that's something different for Birmingham that other departments don't have. Uh, we require them to ride with another officer until they turn 21. But So that's kind of good. It's good for us, and it's good for that young man or woman because we can capture them, get them into a good field, get them good benefits where they can provide for themselves, their family, things of that nature. We have 20-year retirement, so at 39, they could conceivably retire from here and then go on to another profession, whether it be in law enforcement or something else. So as far as high school, there's really not a, a track. It's just make sure you graduate or, you know, we prefer that. But, of course, GED does is acceptable, but we would prefer, you know, high school diploma. But there's also op- other options. If they choose to go to college or something, um, that's great, too. You know, there's pay incentives for that. So an associate's degree gets you 5% more pay. And a bachelor's gets you 10% more pay. So you know, as you move through your career, maybe you advance. When you start thinking about retirement dollars, that ends up being a considerable amount of money long-term for the rest of your life. So people you know, should consider this. Or they could simply go to school while they're here. You know, There's a lot of online schools now, which makes it much easier for people to go to school. Um, so those are just some options. But we would we'd love to have them. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we were talking um, a couple of weeks ago, um, if you remember, I asked you about numbers and, you know, you, you, you mentioned that 
because of I, I just rather you say it. It's hard to get people interested in coming in the profession right now. Yes, the profession really. I, I've you know I was in Washington D.C. almost a month ago with some other big city chiefs, and uh, the conversation was the same: as how do you attract people to the profession? It's not necessarily the department, but the profession. And so that's difficult, you know. Unfortunately, there's been some some officers that have really tarnished our profession really bad in the last eight to ten years, and it's really hurt us. And we hate that because we work hard to serve this, the citizens correctly and treat them right, and then you have a bad apple that does some of the things that we've seen on national news, and it just ruins. We all get ruined. Whether that person worked for Birmingham Police Department or not, we're all police officers, so we all kind of get a bad rap. And so it really hurts us. Uh, as a as a profession, yeah, and it, that's hard to overcome. I was in a class last week and it says, you know, um, doing something wrong can take you about ten years to overcome it. You know, you can do something right and earn somebody's trust very quickly, but when you do something to ruin it, it takes a long time to try and move past that. That's always there in the back of your mind. Even you know, you may be working really hard to move past that. It's like, but I remember when, mm. and so you know. Uh, that, that can be difficult. That can be real difficult. Um, but I didn't want to get on that too soon. Let's get back to you. Um, so we're married how long? So we'll be 22 years this year. 22 years. Tell us a little bit about Misty, whatever you want to share. I know y'all don't share too much, but, like, is she – She's very supportive. I mean, that's one thing I can say. I'm very fortunate to to have her. I wouldn't be where I am in my career or my life without her. Um, it's a and that's another thing people don't probably understand the strain on your spouse, whether it be man or woman, the strain on them when you're gone all the time. You know, I remember her saying, you know, I oftentimes feel like a a single mother. You know, you're there with with two boys and you're you worked all day and you maybe you walked in the door for an hour and you get the phone call, I got to go back to work. And by the time you show back up, it might be midnight or you know in the middle of the night. And then you got to get back up the next morning and come back to work. So it's like, I didn't see you. So maybe it's a day or two. I've kind of missed her and the kids. Mm-hmm. And so she's had to do everything on her own. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of strain, um, you know, on a person. So, yeah. you know, it's just, she's very supportive. I, like I said, I wouldn't, I'm very thankful for her. And I know I wouldn't be where I am in my career or my life without her. So Outstanding. Um, when, as you were going through the Birmingham um police department who was your mentor and and tell me like how you got here because nobody gets where they are you know what I'm saying I'd like to know about some of the people who helped you get where you are Uh, there's several Um, I guess my first one that I really remember is when I went to the detective bureau which was uh, lieutenant Charlie Rafford he was my lieutenant at the time and I kind of thought Man, if I could, if I could retire as a lieutenant, that would be a really big deal. Yeah. And um, so you know, made sergeant and uh, went to West Precinct, and then um, had gone through interviews and things to come back to the detective bureau as a supervisor, and got asked to come to homicide. And I was like, "You want me to come to homicide? You sure?" And that's kind of a really big deal. Um, okay. You know, homicide is kind of the when you think of it, that's kind of the higher level of detectives you know that's because you know you're investigating murders and things and so that's mm-hmm. they're more challenging and so that's we don't like to start people there we like to start them in uh, some of the other investigators right. just to learn 
And then as you advance on, because people's lives are involved. Well, it's a lot to take on. You know, you get a murder investigation there. It's very intense. It's a lot to do. It's not a, um, you know, I hate to say a burglar, but, you know, burglar is somebody's home and they're at work. I mean, it's awful for that person, but, okay, they got your TV. uh, They broke your window, but everybody's still alive. Right. Everybody's safe. I mean, you feel victimized because your house has been violated, but... Nobody lost their life. Now you're you're tasked with you've got to get justice for this family. You've got to get some sort of closure for them, and get this bad guy or girl off the street because they may do it again. And do they hurt a police officer? You know, one of your friends, one of your family. And so, that's a lot of pressure in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be honest. Uh, you know, made lieutenant and, and and tried for captain. But I'll be honest, chief was never part of the plan. It really was never. I'd made captain and was was very happy there and. Was very happy with uh, riding that out and retiring it as as a rank of captain, and the chief thing just came out of nowhere, and that was like literally was never part of the plan. Was never something I really thought of. Yeah, um, tell me about the call. Um, you know, just, where were you? What I mean, walk us through. What were you doing? I and was then at the work. next thing. Mayor Whitfin's on the phone. Yeah, that's, that's kind of <laughs> how it worked. Was you know. Uh, Mayor Woodfin had called me at work and asked me to come down to City Hall and uh, presented this opportunity to me. Yeah. So did you? Did you? When he asked you to come to City Hall, did you kind of know, or were you? Well, no, no, I had no clue. Uh, you know, he and I had known each other. We've known each other probably about twelve years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, from once in a while, we would talk every now and then, just where we ran into each other out and about, or whatever the case may be. And uh, I said, "Oh my gosh, what in the world have I done?" To the, to the mayor. <laughs> It's calling me to City Hall. I said, I must have done something really bad. Yeah. And so uh, we, we was just trying to think, what have I done? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm racking my brain. I said, I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. So That's yeah. really cool. Um, you mind telling us how old you are? No, I'm 48 years you, old. And you told me that um, when we met the a couple of weeks ago. And um, what do you think – your age brings to the job good or bad up or down just you know what what do you think i i want to be honest and say i love younger men and women in leadership because you know the thought processes and it's your future that that you're tending um but you know what what does age have to do with it for you right now for me, it doesn't really have anything. Personally, it doesn't have anything to do for me. I think it's, um, you know, years on the job. So I've got, I'll have 25 in November. Um, you know, it's just the experience and, you know, are you are you able to lead and things of that nature? You know, everybody, everybody's different, you know. People may blossom at different ages or different years of experience. I think it's just kind of different. And then, too, when does the opportunity come? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's a challenge. You know, the Birmingham Police Department is the largest to, Police Department in the state of Alabama. Uh, it's a large department, so it's it's very challenging. You know, even though you have a lot of people to assist you, it's it's still the challenges of of fighting crime, uh, and then two taking care of your personnel. So I guess if I had there was two main objectives, it would be how can I best take care of the citizens of Birmingham and provide the safest city possible, but also at the same time take the best care of my the men and women of the Birmingham Police Department. And so. It's, it's challenging because there's it's a lot. There's a lot of people in the city and a lot of a lot of officers working for the police department. And then, too, our civilian staff. We we have several hundred civilian staff members, and so they're just as important as our sworn because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to do our jobs. So right. they have a huge support role that assists us every day. 
What's morale like right now? You know, I guess it's law enforcement's a bit challenging, you know, and, uh, you know, shortages. So that causes people to maybe work a different shift that they're not accustomed to working. So we went to the 12 hour shift back in November. Um, you know, a 12 hour shift in Birmingham is a, is a long time because the call volume is higher and things. But we want to ensure we have adequate staffing to serve the citizens and the safest environment we can provide for our officers, you know, have enough officers on the street so that they're safe at the same time. So it's a balancing act. And so, you know, we would love to go back to a different shift, but we've got to get some more officers in to the department to be able to do that. Um, and I don't know how to articulate this, but what is you, what is the morale of the citizens? Like how, how are we receiving you? Are we, and I'm not talking about the bad apples. We'll get to crime later and all that stuff. But, you know, um, do you face any type of, you know, heartburn from citizens based on the things that have gone, o- gone over the past few years? Or is there a good relationship? Is there a building relationship? Well, I think it always has to be a building relationship. Mm-hmm. I think... Um the onus is on the police department that we have to just step out to try and build those relationships. And I think it's our responsibility. And so, you know, just like spring break, we had two community walks. It was us just getting out and walking in the neighborhoods, different ones for various reasons. And and we've done some of those in the fall too. And it's just getting out, just meeting the citizens who live in those neighborhoods, meeting the business owners and just talking to people. Hey, how's things going? What's, the, what's going on in your neighborhood? What are your, some of your concerns that we might be able to help with? Mm-hmm. And it's just making those relationships to where, you know, people feel comfortable talking to you just about anything. Maybe it's, hey, there's junk cars over here on the street. Maybe it's the house down the street plays loud music all night and I can't sleep. Or, you know, maybe they're shooting at night. You know, just different things if for them to let us know so we can help bring some resolution to those things. But at the same time, I would be a fool to sit here and say, do we get it right every day? It's No, no, we don't. And so we do make mistakes. We're human. Um, and we'll do our best to correct them. And so... You know, that's one of the things. I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And so uh, we'll do our best to be perfect every day. But, uh, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, and we just have to own them and do what we can to correct them. It seems that you've been very um, blessed in your career path and your career choices. But if you hadn't gone to police, to the police department, what's the path unchosen what's the path uh i would have gone to officer candidacy school in the u.s marine corps really yes okay because i graduated college so so you just hell bent on retiring early well it wasn't that but i guess you know i remember as a as a teenager uh my dad told me you know you should find a profession that you enjoy going to do every day and so sitting still in a an office all day was not for me at a young age you know uh, so I needed, you know, something always changing, exciting, and things of that nature was exactly what I needed. And I knew law enforcement would provide that, you know. And another piece to that is the feeling that you get helping someone when they're having the worst day of their life. You know, when people don't call 911 and say, hey, I'm having a great day, by the way. They call, and, you know, the worst, it may be small, but that's the biggest thing going on in their life right now. So that's a big deal to them. And if you can get there and make a difference or help them get some services or whatever it is they need and bring some sort of resolution to their problem, that feeling of that good feeling you get, there's no other way to get that, you know. Uh, and so that's just 
you know, I guess the service part of it. Were you a Boy Scout? I was for a few years. It really wasn't a long-term <laughs> thing. But, um, you know, my, my dad was a Marine, so that was that was kind of a, an optional path there. Uh, having graduated college, I knew I could go in, and you would come out as a lieutenant as officer at candidacy school. So that was an option. I was um, I was a Boy Scout and um, in JROTC. And so that's why I asked that question. You know, you're always told, you you know, you can always retire in 20 years in these jobs and et cetera, et cetera. So. But the, the retirement part, I bet when I started, I didn't know anything about the retirement well, part. Well, of course. Like, I, I wasn't even, thinking about, you no, know, who cares? I just want to do the today, job. Today, I have friend, uh, classmates who are retired on their second career. Some of them are just done the whole nine yards. So I just... When you were bringing that up, that brought memories to me of those conversations. Like, you know, that's 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 a young age to be retired. To well, have a, to I have think a full. many of many in law enforcement when they retire the first time, they don't fully retire and go to the house. I mean, some well, will. I'm saying, but the ability to have yeah. that, you know, that option. Well, the retirement sitting mm-hmm. there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like worst case scenario. There's a fallback plan. You got that fallback, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's all I was saying. What um, what makes you so Birmingham? I, I mean, I really love the city. Uh, you know, because I, when I came into the apartment, downtown was a ghost town. It was after five o'clock on the weekends. There was there was nothing downtown. There was nobody downtown. And to see, because I started North Precinct. Uh, you know, I worked just on the other side of I sixty five from where we are now in downtown. So. Being downtown, I saw that regularly, and to see the transformation that is taking place in Birmingham is is exciting. You know, people want to come downtown; they want to enjoy whether it's living downtown, entertainment, business, restaurants, and it's just all the things that are being built. It's it's an incredible transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as as chief, you want to see the department and the city in a better place than when you came in. You hope that. That it can be, you know, will this be a safer city when I leave? I hope so. Will the department, not that the department was in bad shape when I got here, but will, can I make it even better than what it was? And then can the next person build on that and so on and so on and so on? You just want to leave it in better than when you got it. You know, I guess if I if I borrowed a tool from you, I'd want to return it cleaner and nicer than when you gave it to me because mm-hmm. you were nice enough to lend that to me. The least I can do is give it to you back fully charged, all clean, looking nice. It's like, well, you you took care of my stuff. You took care of my city while you were the chief. You took care of the citizens the best you could. I will never please everybody. I mean, I'd, I know I, I'd be a fool to believe I could please everybody, but, you know, you want to try to the best of your ability. Levitate Legal and Consulting, LLC, is keenly focused on offering a lean menu of specially tailored services to help each client improve efficiency and maximize results. We are a woman-minority-owned law firm specializing in state and local governments, nonprofits, program design and compliance fund development, and strategic visioning. Our attorneys and consultants are fueled by a desire to help each client achieve its programmatic goals, improve efficiency, and elevate community impact. So First 48 came in 2008, right when I went to homicide. Mm-hmm. And so that was they were there with us for three years, yes. But, but I mean, were you all— Yes. Which— most episodes because I was a supervisor, so I was in most episodes. Gotcha. Now, crazy enough, I was not. I didn't watch Forty Eight Hours a lot. I've started first Forty Eight. <laughs> Clearly, I wasn't the biggest fan. But um, like every now and then, if I'm up late, 
and he'll come on and I'll watch I'll watch the replays and whatnot. What is your um what's your favorite charity? I would say Toys for Tots. Mm. Tell us about Toys for Tots. Uh, you know, you think of the most innocent people in our society, which is children, clearly. And so, you know, Christmas is an exciting time for them. And so you want every child to be able to enjoy that. And we know that everybody's uh, not as fortunate as everyone else. And so to be able to provide that for kids, regardless of what their socioeconomic status may be, and them to have that Christmas morning, every kid deserves that. Yeah. Every kid deserves that. To wake up and to be able to have that joy, that smile. And so uh, one of the big things that we do at BPD every year, we have a huge toy drive, mm -hmm. and then we have the sleigh ride. And we go around to the housing communities, and we hand out toys. We have the motorcycles coming ahead of us and turn the lights and sirens on to let everybody know we're there. Yeah. And they kind of know we've done it for about three or four years now. And so they know, hey, we gave out almost 100 bicycles this year, in addition to oh, just all the other toys. And so those kids come around, and it's like, here's your bicycle. It's important um, for kids to see um, law enforcement like that, I'm sure. Uh, like, I I did not grow up with the fear of the police. Like, I was like, hey, you know, <laughs> like it was. And I'm sure things like that go a long way with the communities you serve. And that, that's the reason for doing that is to, to let them see that, if I took my uniform off and you saw me walking down the street in a pair of shorts and T-shirt, would you know I was a police officer? Yeah, no. I would. Well. I would. You look like a police. No, I'm joking. But you know, is, you know, uh, really Some is, people look like teachers, though. But but really, at the end of the day, if you take the uniform off, yeah. Uh, how am I any different than anybody else? I mean, really, at the end of the day, um, I'm just a person like everybody else. I want the same things that everybody else, you know, want a quiet neighborhood and things, you know, and be able to. Enjoy the, you know, so everybody wants that. So, yes, we're we're police officers. We're charged with a certain duty, but we're also people just like everyone else. Um, and so, well, I'll tell you, I'm not ashamed to say it. You're the first police chief I've liked. I mean, I haven't known everybody really well and whatnot, but I think you're a good person. I think you. Your heart is in the right place. I think you look good in the job. I think that um, I think you're the right person right now. I I really do, and I meant it when I said I'm praying for you. Thank you. I mean that. Um, but I'm praying you don't answer one of these questions, so you have to make a donation towards for tots. <laughs> but they're easy. I'm teasing. All right. Rickwood Field or Regions Park? Uh, Rickwood's historical, and I went to a ball game there when I was a young kid with my dad, so Rickwood. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Uh, Botanical Gardens. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Uh, protective Stadium. All right. Crossplex or Legion Field? Crossplex. All right. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Zoo would like to be outside. All right. He's mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? 
Barons, because just baseball. My dad loves baseball. All right. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Stallions. Got history. Alabama or Auburn? Alabama. Roll Tide. iPhone or Android? iPhone. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? To see the future. To see the future? I think that's the first. That is the first. Because then you could you could see what's going to happen, and then if it didn't work out, you could possibly go back and self-correct so it did have a good outcome. I think that's the first time somebody has said see the future. That's pretty good. I like that. Um Everybody, there's a saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And many of us, because of where we live, um, because of our socioeconomic status or whatnot, we all have different interactions or, you know, the numbers as it relates to crime in our communities, what they are, and the whole nine. But I was sharing with you that I remember there were things like leaving your light on, that that's being a good neighbor, you know. Um, what, for, for people who feel like, well, you know, this never happens in my neighborhood, I point to Nashville and, you know, I mean, you never know these days. What can we do to be better citizens in the city of Birmingham? Like, just to be vigilant, just to be good neighbors. Things to help us help the police department. How can we be better? So I'll kind of start with vehicles, then we'll go to home. So vehicles... Um, sometimes you may see the message boards downtown that say hide it, lock it, keep it. So a lot of car- You guys have been saying that a lot lately. But a lot of car break-ins aren't really break-ins. People leave their cars unlocked. So now people just go around pulling on door handles to see what cars are unlocked. And people left their belongings in plain view. So it's it's inviting. If you leave food out on the counter, you might get some bugs or something in your house. But if right. you keep a clean counter, you're less likely to have bugs or have as many. And so it's one of those things is... Secure your belongings, you know, um, secure your vehicle. And so, you know, don't get out of the car and put your purse in the trunk where you're parking before you go to dinner because somebody's probably watching you put your purse in the trunk. Cars have remote releases to the trunk, so it's easy to get in there. So, you know, store those things ahead of time. Kind of plan ahead. Yeah. Uh, we call all those crimes crimes of opportunity. Mm-hmm. If you if you leave those things there, you're more likely to, to have a car break in or something of that nature. And so far as homes, uh, like you said, at night – Making sure all your doors and windows are locked, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, are they locked? You know, I mean, even if you have kids, well, did the kids unlock the, and leave stuff mm-hmm. unlocked? So we kind of have to go behind them or just other people in our home and make sure everything's locked. Leave our lights on. Uh, you know, if you're away, maybe timers for your lights, and they can kind of vary from day to day. They can come on at 5 o'clock today, 6 o'clock tomorrow, so it looks like somebody's home, and even, you know, with your normal routine. Um Add the serial numbers to your your belongings, you know, whether it be televisions, computers, iPhones, uh, lawnmowers, lawn equipment, too, because if it were to get stolen and you have that information, we can track it down. We can put it in the computer system. So if an officer comes across it during their shift or 
we're checking the pawn shops, we can come across that, and then we'll know, you know, who who possibly pawned it, things of that nature. Um, you know, having a security system is not a bad idea. Now there's much, there's some more affordable options. You know, our ring doorbell type cameras and things of that nature. A lot of people have those kind of systems. Mm-hmm. And with some of those systems, I know they're tying into them from some police departments. So, so that's one of the things that we're working on now with our real time crime center. Is it's the big push for us is to get businesses and residences onto our system. And so uh, we're using a platform called Fusis. And so basically, if you have an IP camera. Uh, you know, the citizen could buy this box for about $300 and plug into it. And then we get, uh, you know, the video feed from your home or your business. And we're not going to sit and monitor it. But if something happens on your street, we will review the footage, you know, to see, did it capture a vehicle or person or what was going on to help solve that crime? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for the, the city to buy tons and tons of cameras, uh, it gets very, very expensive. I mean, the city will continue to buy cameras, of course, but just building that, having that uh, more view of what's going on in our, our city will just help bring crime down. We've solved a number of crimes from the cameras that we already have available to us through the real-time crime center, so it's been very beneficial. Um, I have an idea. Okay. And you tell me if it's crazy or not. Shot spotter hooked up to drones. Already, they already have that technology. Damn it, I was trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So when the shot spotter goes off, the drone goes straight to it. Yes. See what's going yeah, on. That technology already exists. Please let's don't do that. No, 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 no. You know, that's not a bad idea coming from me. But um, so do so can we look forward to stuff like that here, or is that uh, kind of still far out? It might be a little out for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've got we've got a good platform. We've got some good things going. It just takes a while to build those systems out and figure out what system is best for Birmingham too. You know, there's a lot of different platforms and services available, and so you have to vet them and see what what is best for Birmingham. You know, yeah, it might work in another city, but does that work for Birmingham? And so we have to kind of vet that and see what is the best option for Birmingham. And so I always think of Birmingham as a Unique city, and I think of that in a good way, is it's a special place. And so things that work in Birmingham might not work somewhere else or vice versa. So we got to find out what's what's best for Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayor seems to be really proud of that um, real-time crime center. That's a game changer. How so? Uh, it just gives us more assets, you know, for like our body cams now. they all, Every officer's body cam has GPS in it, so we can see where they are. And we can use that for a number of things. Maybe they're on a crime scene and there's too many officers in one area and we need to adjust. Well, the real-time crime center can see where they are and who they are, and they can move them for officer safety and just better of what we're trying to do. Uh, we can tap into those body cams live. So wow. if they're on a scene or something's going on, we can watch it live. Uh, we just added the in-car camera system, which gives the car the camera system and also uh, videos and gets audio of the, the transport compartment in the car in the back, so we get that. And it's really just, you know, we want to keep a good eye uh, to solve crime, but also just make sure our officers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think it mentally that kind of gives you a, a check and balance thing of, you know, make sure I do right because it's all on video right, and audio. So I need to make sure I'm, I've got good integrity. Right. You know, that when nobody's watching, am I doing the right thing? And so I think that, that keeps us all, helps keep us all. And then, too, it just helps with 
uh, complaints. I'll be honest, you know, we've had people come in and, and allege something happened and go watch the body cam. That's not uh. what happened. That's not what. And then too, if an officer did do wrong, we have that too, and we can we can deal with that. You know, we have it, it works both ways. And then too, it's evidence for court. You know, in court cases, we have you know what the officer saw when he or she got to a particular scene, or what maybe somebody said. Well, it's on audio and video. It's recorded. It's there's no doubt about what was said or what happened. What is, I think you said it earlier, but I want to be sure I ask, what is the most rewarding thing about your job? I know you we, you said about, you know, bringing justice um, for victims' families. Um, but other than that, what's, what's the most rewarding part of, of your job? I think there's two parts. One is, uh, and I don't get to new, you know, don't get to new, do enough of it. It's just getting out and talking to the citizens of Birmingham and the business. Owners. That, that's very re- rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really experienced that a lot when I was in West Precinct as a captain. I really got to know a lot of the community members out there. I, I really enjoyed that. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of awesome people out through Birmingham, but, um, uh, West has got some really awesome people that live out there, and like I said, it's citywide. It's not just West, but those are the one, that's the area that I've worked a lot in, and sure. so I got to know a lot of those people personally. Um, and then too, it's um, and it's it's a work in progress. Is can we bring you know the murders down in Birmingham? You know, mm-hmm. if we can do that, that would be that would that would that would be good. Y'all think I should give him my thoughts? <laughs> Don't look like that. Well, I have a few thoughts on that. <laughs> First of all, um, I think we need to, and this is just my opinion. Let me just set it up this way. When we were coming up, right, we had a problem, bumped each other up. What are we going to do? Might have a skirmish. (laughs) You know what I mean? These kids, that's the first thing they do. From the music, from the TV, they don't fight. They don't anything. They, at really young ages, are pulling out guns. Now, I happen to be pro-Second Amendment, so I'm not really, you know, I, I understand the argument, and I'll. it is what it is. But I think that it's how we relate to to conflict resolution in general like we don't it goes zero to a hundred yeah unfortunately and so and so i just i don't know how that's going to be changed but please well then too the interesting thing that we've seen this year is we've you know we had a spate about nine homicides a couple weeks ago a lot of people involved that were 30 to 50 years old that wasn't the the younger right and so it's like that group should kind of know better. I mean, you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. You've experienced a little more of life. Is that that's kind of frustrating? There. Um, I mean, we hate for anybody to lose their lives, of sure. course. But these are older people that you hate to say should have a little more sense, I guess. And so the I kind of coined the top the the term stop and think, stop and think before you go. Like you said, zero to hundred. Uh, it's not a drag race. You know, we're we want to pull that gun out, and so we're we're probably going to change our lives. We're clearly changing someone else's lives and destroying potentially two families uh, because, you know, there's the person who's either injured or killed. Uh, and what people a lot of times don't realize is, oh, the person lived. Yeah, but they may have – there's a lot of trauma. 
mentally, and then there's trauma, you know. Physically, they yeah, might yeah. Be, not be the same. Yeah, that body doesn't function the way it used to. And so it's not a car that we can, we can put a new fender on. Um, medicine's great. UAB is fantastic, and they do a fantastic job, but everything doesn't work just the way it used to. It's kind of like a wrecked car. As my dad always said, you know, they'll fix it, but it's never going to be the same. Right. You know, they can put that body back together and you're still living, but maybe you have a limp now. Maybe who knows what, you know, uh, you got to get dialysis for the rest of your life or whatever the case may be. And it's people don't, I don't think a lot of people realize all those people that are, that are hurting and have experienced that, uh, in addition to the homicide victims and their families. And so just stop and think, I mean, it's just, I guess it's frustrating, uh, if we had an argument, you and I today, over something, okay, we can we can agree to disagree. You have your opinion, I have mine, no, no problem, fine. We can respect that. And I think that's part of the problem is, is the respect thing. Well, hey, I'm going to show you I'm the, I'm the bigger, badder person, so I'm going to pull my gun and I'm going to do whatever it is. And so it's just not the answer. We're destroying our communities. We're destroying our cities. We're destroying our families. Um, and not to get in religion, but the good Lord didn't put us here to kill each other. Amen. Got anything else you want to leave us with? I'll just hit on that. Put these guns down, please. Stop killing each other. I mean, we, we're all better than that. The city of Birmingham, the residents of Birmingham deserve better. And I'll just leave it at that. We, The city has worked so hard to make it what it is today. And the city and the people who live here and work here and people who visit here deserve so much better. I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to thank you all for listening. As, as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63, I360 News, and UrbanHam.com. God bless. This podcast is being brought to you by Matt Mail Advertising. Founded by a father and son team, Lindsey McAdory Jr. and Sr., Matt Mail has helped small businesses, political candidates, and nonprofits reach their target audience for over 10 years. Visit MattMailAdvertising.com to learn more.